What's going on, everybody? No Huddle Show. I am Elliot Schwartz here with Matt Lombardo. And here we are, guys, just two days away from this NFC Championship game, a game that we've talked about for months, whether the Eagles could be there. We've talked about it throughout the week. And now it's finally time to go position by position, break this game down, X's and O's, not just harping on Nick Foles the whole time, and really say where we think the Eagles can attack the Vikings, where are some areas the Vikings will be able to take advantage of the Eagles, and kind of give our final prediction, even though throughout the week we've both felt the same way. But give our final prediction. Matt, how, how excited are you for this game? Yep, Elliot, it's been pretty incredible to be around this city throughout the course of this week. We knew it would be exciting leading up to an NFC Championship game, but just on Friday morning, I did a TV hit for Fox 29. They had a big pep rally at uh, Chickies and Pete's, and it was unbelievable. At 6 a.m., there were probably 200 Eagles fans loud, making noise. They all had the dog masks on, and Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday, I think, is really going to be the underdog pound, and it should be a lot of fun. I'm a big Big supporter of that nickname, by the way. You I like think that? the underdog pound. I don't normally like when you kind of like rip off of other teams and fans <laughs> do that. Not just you. I'm saying I'm like saying, I haven't you... seen it coined anywhere else. Right. I've tried to no. get the hashtag movement going for yeah. hashtag underdog I, uh, pound. I like it. It's a play off of the uh, the Browns. Obviously, I think it's I think it's good. But nice. all right. So and I I would agree. Like this week being at the facility, I think you can really feel the difference in the air. And I don't mean that in a way like the Eagles are acting different because of the fact it's a championship game, where it seems like the moment's getting to them. I just think, you know, for the limited time we are out there at practice, I think you can sense uh, a certain type of excitement. And I, I think they're practicing, not that they're not practicing harder than normal, but I don't know. I just, I can't really put it into words, but just looking at the players, you can really see the way they're running around, the way they're interacting, the mood at practice, the music. It really does. You can feel that they're preparing for a big game. Yeah. And I think that at the same time, and Doug Peterson has stressed all week about focusing on what got you here, focus yeah. on your preparation, the same way that they prepared for every other game. And I think that they've really taken that mindset to heart. And Thursday, you know, this kind of seems funny to people on the outside. Outside, but the more I thought about it, I thought it was a really veteran move by LeGarrette Blunt to walk over when all the reporters were in there yesterday and start with the Papa shot and started to kind of trash talk with Brandon Brooks. And he got Kenyon Barner involved. And it seemed to kind of lighten what could have been some tension with reporters in there three days before an NFC championship game. It lightened the mood. And mm-hmm. it was a veteran mm-hmm. running back who won a Super Bowl last year who did it. And, and again, it might mean absolutely nothing, but it just seemed like something that we didn't see them do throughout the course of the year, but as this game is more important than anyone they've played all year, um, it just kind of took some of that distraction from the media away, even for and a couple what's minutes. What's interesting to me is, I think there's this whole narrative out there, at least there definitely was leading up to the Falcons game, that nobody believes in the Eagles, and the Eagles are still kind of peddling that, um, but what's interesting is, and I don't know if you find this, but everyone I talk to is picking the Eagles. I mean, local media guys are talking to the Eagles. I really haven't talked to anybody that says, ah, there's no way, uh, no way the, the, the Eagles will win this game. It's going to be Vikings all the way. So I think that even though they are the underdogs at home and they certainly, you know, will be the underdog panel people will have on those masks. I kind of get the sense that more people than last week, at least, are picking them to beat the Vikings. Yep. Locally, I think that's right. But I did a roundup of all of the picks of national analysts and reporters who cover the league. And, at minimum, it's a 50-50 split, and I think that nationally, um, there, there's a lot of momentum behind the Vikings, and, and why wouldn't there be with the way they won that game on the miracle throw, the way they've played defense all year? They're built to travel because they play defense and they run the ball effectively. Uh, you pick the Eagles. I pick the Eagles. I don't think either one of us are swaying from those picks, mm-hmm. but I think that everybody should gear up for a knockdown, drag-out fight, and I don't know about you. I think it, it's going to be difficult for either one of these teams to score with Case Keenum 
and Nick Foles at quarterback. So we're going to get into the position by position review, but of course it is Friday, and that means it is Fan Friday. Um, first, I would like to say at the end of last podcast, we said we were trying to get to 500 reviews. I think we were at like 380 something. Everybody really stepped yeah, up this 412 week. 412 we're at right now. Yep. And not only have we gotten a bunch of reviews, we've gotten, I think, my favorite review of all time. And <laughs> I told Matt not to read it. I have not seen this yeah. yet. You said you would read it live on the all pod, right. so all I'm right. ready to go. Hit Here me we with go. it. All right. So, title. Favorite pod to fall asleep to. Oh, by, here we go. By Hot for ESP. Five stars. Is this your girlfriend? <laughs> the No Huddle Show is my favorite podcast to fall asleep to. And by that, I mean it in a positive way. Elliot's voice is like a lullaby that puts me right to sleep. For so long, my hopes for an Eagles winning season and Super Bowl appearance were only my dreams. But now my dreams can be, now my dreams will become reality, beautifully narrated by ESP and Matt. Keep up the good work, boys. I can't wait to hear all your hot. All your upcoming hot takes. Wow. I mean, what more could you ask for in a review? Thank you, girl, for the review. <laughs> well, we really do appreciate it. I hope she gave us five stars. Yeah. Uh, this one comes in from at Grimm's 1023. Gave us five stars. Headline is great show. I don't really listen to many podcast shows, but I've come to really enjoy these two guys. Both Elliot and Matt give great analysis of the game. They answer questions. and They give great predictions and analysis without being biased. So you thank you, Grimm's 1023. We appreciate it. And that's what we've always aimed to do. On this so podcast. the chances of 500 by su- by Sunday feel a little slim, but if the Eagles win and they make the Super Bowl, I think we get those 500. We might get them in Super Bowl week. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, all right, so let's get into it. Let's do the breakdown. Um, I, I have it all, all here, so we'll do position by position like we normally do. So let's start with the Eagles defensive ends versus the Vikings offensive tackles. You want to go first yep. on that one? Um, as much as I'm, I'm a big believer and big fan of the Vikings front seven, and I wrote about it really early in the week about you know Mike Zimmer's exotic blitz packages both off the edge and up the middle are probably the biggest challenge in terms of X's and O's. I give a decided advantage both at the tackles and up the middle of the Eagles mm-hmm. offensive line. And I think that that's the one area and the one matchup where I think the Eagles are going to win the game because you have an all-pro in Lane Johnson. You have an all-pro in Jason Kelsey, a pro bowler in Brandon no, 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 sorry. Brooks. We're talking about... Eagles defensive ends versus Vikings. Oh, yeah. you, you flipped I, the script I, on me I there. know. Well, yeah, I, don't, I don't think you heard. I but, might have uh, heard wrong. But, uh, <laughs> it made it, sense up until you said the names. Yeah, sure. But if, <laughs> if you just want to talk about the... Yeah, Eagles defensive ends versus the Vikings offensive I, I'd, I'd still give the Eagles an edge yeah, because okay. I think that Brandon Graham, the way he played the other night, even though he didn't get a sack, got a lot of pressure on Matt Ryan and he had probably the two biggest plays of his career on those two tackles for loss in the running yep. game in the fourth quarter. So I, I give a decided edge to the Eagles defensive ends against the Vikings tackles. I agree. I mean, look, I think one of the things that really separates, look, if you just talk about the starters, I think Brandon Graham, there's been a lot of debate this week, Brandon Graham or Everson Griffin, Griffin, and you can, I think, you know, I guess you would lean Griffin, but as someone that, you know, watches every snap Graham's played this season multiple times, I just find it hard to believe there's many beef, many better defensive ends out there in the NFL. The way he plays the run, the consistent pressure he gets at the quarterback, still has to do a little bit of work in terms of finishing when he gets there, but I really like this matchup for the Eagles. The Vikings tackles are not that good in my opinion. They're decent, but I think this is a matchup the Eagles should win. And what I really what I really think leans us in the Eagles' favor is the depth the Eagles have at defensive end. I mean, we're just talking about Graham and uh, Curry, but when you think about putting Derek Barnett in there and Chris Long, I think the fact that they'll be continually getting uh, fresh legs against these tackles, they'll be continually getting different looks since they'll be going against different players, I really think this is going to be a big advantage for the Eagles. And, you know, I, 
every week we talk about how important the quarterback is. The second most position is defensive end because that's yep. a guy that can disrupt the quarterback. Yep. And I think the Eagles have the advantage. And there. they have a nice rotation. It's not just Brandon uh-huh. Graham. Chris Long had the strip sack against the right. Rams, had a couple really big plays throughout the course of the year. So I think that the Eagles' defensive line and their offensive line, quite frankly, as I tried to answer before, <laughs> yeah. so you're those ru- are probably you're ruining the surprise there. Exactly. Those are probably the two areas where I think the Eagles have the biggest advantage in this game. So now let's focus on the middle of the Eagles' defensive line. And this is a, this is the place where, even though I think they have the, the advantage on the edge, I really think the Eagles have an advantage up the middle on the defense. And that's Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan versus the uh, the Vikings' interior offensive line, who, to be honest, is kind of a mess. I mean, they're still shuffling guys around. Uh, I think that, that Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan have a really good chance to really, really get in Keenum's face up the middle. And Keenum is athletic, so I do think that when they get there, um, you know, I don't think it'll be super easy to bring him down. He's not Michael Vick by any stretch no. of the imagination, but I do think he can move a little bit. And the bigger part of this is, I think Keenum is very, very susceptible to just throwing the ball up. I know he only has seven interceptions on the year, but I do think he's risky with the ball. I think you saw that against the Saints um, with some of the throws he made in last week's playoff game. And if you can get pressure on him up the middle, I think he's shown he's willing to kind of drift and throw off that back foot. And that's any quarterback. I mean, you talk yeah. to Tom Brady, you talk to Eli Manning, Peyton Manning. Yeah, but the about difference is he's not them. So the throws that he'll be making up, I think the Eagles have a real chance to take well, advantage I, of. I agree. And the point I was trying to make is you talk to any of those elite quarterbacks and they say what disrupts them the most is interior pressure in the pocket so Mm -hmm. if the Eagles are able to do that which I agree with you I think they will I I think you can make a strong case that Fletcher Cox and Tim Jernigan are the premier defensive tackle duo in the entire NFL yeah Um, I I don't know how susceptible Case Keenum is to a turnover but it will help if you're able to get pressure both off the edge and up the middle he like you said he did a nice job of protecting the football throughout the year Um, he had the seventh best quarterback rating at 98.7 so he doesn't make that many mistakes I talked to a lot of Eagles defensive players in the locker room about him earlier this week, and Fletcher Cox said he reminds him of a poor man's Russell Wilson. Chris Long played with him in, in with the Rams in St. Louis, and he said that he reminds him of a gunslinger similar to Brett Favre. So Eagles are going in with a lot of respect for Case Keenum, but he, he's not Drew Brees. Right. He's not Tom Brady. He's not an elite quarterback. He's not he Matt can Ryan. make a mistake. You're right. He's absolutely not Matt Ryan, and this is a defense that held the, the Falcons to four and out down along the goal line last week at three. Three shots in the end zone to Julio Jones that fell to the turf. So Mm. if they play as well as they did late in that game against the Falcons, and particularly in the second half when you had Rodney McLeod register a sack on a safety blitz and you do some things that maybe you hadn't shown on film, I think there's a much better chance that Keenum throws one of those costly turnovers. I also think last week against the Falcons, you saw they only dressed three defensive tackles. Um, and Bo Allen played a lot. Timmy Jernigan didn't play as much as usual. But I think part of the reason is they're really, really just trying to get their best defensive lineman out there on the field. So I think you will see once again this week, you know, Vinnie Curry potentially take some snaps inside. Brandon Graham take some snaps inside. And just, you know, really emphasize trying to get pressure like up the middle. NASCAR package almost. Exactly, yep. yeah. And try to get pressure up the middle on Keenum. So we're, overall, it looks like we're giving the advantage to the Eagles defensive line over the um, Correct. Vikings offensive yep. line. All right, so Eagles linebackers versus the Vikings tight ends. I'll let you talk about this because you've really – I know you've written about it this week and talked about it with uh, – um, all right, sorry, I'm thinking of Zach Ertz on the other side. Look, I got me all, all messed up now. <laughs> all right, Eagles linebackers versus Vikings tight ends. Nigel Bradham, Michael Kendricks versus Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph, a very good tight end in my opinion. Um, 
He's not as good as Zach Ertz, in my opinion. The Eagles have been pretty good against tight ends this season. They're allowing they they allowed five touchdowns in 16 games and an average of just 46 yards a game receiving. So they they've done the job against tight ends. Um, I think you know you'll, you'll see uh, Keenum try to get the ball to Rudolph still, just because that can be a safety net. Right. But I like the advantage there, and I also think you know even though we're saying linebackers versus tight ends, you'll see Malcolm Jenkins come up on the last scrimmage sure. and and, and uh, cover Rudolph. This quite is a bit. an area where I give an edge to the Vikings tight end because okay. while, while Zach. Kurtz is clearly one of the top two or three tight ends in the NFL behind maybe Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey. Uh, I don't think Rudolph is that far below there. You look at his numbers this year, 57 catches, 532 yards, and eight touchdowns. You talked about, you know, the security blanket aspect of his game. He's also Case Keenum's favorite target down near the red zone. And I don't necessarily trust Michael Kendricks in coverage. I know that Nigel Bradham has done a nice job. Uh, and you will drop Malcolm Jenkins, you know, into coverage against Rudolph. But where right. I think Rudolph will have the opportunity over over the middle is you might not be able to drop Jenkins down all that often because you have to respect the speed of Stefan Diggs on the outside and over mm-hmm. the top. So if you're going to funnel your passing game either to the outside through Diggs or over the middle to Thielen and Rudolph, I think Rudolph has a chance to benefit there. And I just think that when you look at the way the Vikings offense functions, it funnels through Rudolph similarly to the way the Eagles, when they're at their best, right. funnel through Ertz. So I agree with you that the fact that they might not be able to use Jenkins as much on Rudolph could be an impact because you're right. You do want to kind of guard against that deep threat. And McLeod's a guy that, you know, I don't know if you trust him to go up on line of scrimmage and play man. So in that way, I do see your point. But overall, the Eagles have done such a good job this year against tight ends. I don't I mean, disagree. Travis Kelsey in week two did get him a little bit, but even he really just had, you know, a good start to the game and then slowed down from there. And had so, a big fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, he did. Right. Well, he had a big fourth quarter touchdown. Yep. I think in terms of yards, most of them came in the first quarter. But no, regardless, that was one week. Outside of that, off the top of my head, I can't think of another tight end that really killed him. Not yeah. many others that are in that class right. though, that they've played. And listen, I, I don't think there's any... I mean, we can't look at this and say that the Eagles have an edge in every aspect because no, they it's don't. still the number one defense. But I do. And... But I do think we're talking when we're talking about the Eagles' defense versus right. the Vikings' offense. I think the Eagles have an advantage in a lot of those categories. I do too. When this we get to the Eagles' of offensive side of the yeah. ball, I think so. I disagree. I would give the advantage to the Eagles here just because I've seen them cover tight ends throughout the year, yep. and you know, I agree that Jenkins thing could be an issue, but. Uh, I still think the Eagles find a way. So I would get, I'm would i going to go with the Eagles there and give the edge. So this is one where I think we'll probably both agree. Um, although, I might make a case that will change your mind. Who knows? The Eagles cornerbacks versus the Vikings receivers. Where do you stand on well, that? Well... Initially, I lean Eagles a little bit because of the wow. speed of e- Ronald Darby. Okay, I'm surprised. Um, and I think that Patrick Robinson has been tremendous in the slot all year, and Adam Thielen is kind of outside of Kyle Rudolph, the favorite target. And from a statistical standpoint, targets, catches, yards, all those things, it's the mm-hmm. Adam Thielen show. But you look at what they just did against Marshawn Lattimore, who might be the best cornerback in the league as a rookie and a pretty good Saints secondary. I think you have to give the advantage to the Vikings because they beat you in so many ways. They can beat you over the top with Diggs. They can beat you over the middle with Thielen. And I think that, you know, it's going to be a really close matchup and, and it's not a strong feel one way or the other. I lean Vikings receivers against the Eagles secondary. So one of my favorite stats I've learned this week from all my digging up about this game is if you take the average quarterback rating when you target uh, Darby, Mills, or Patrick Robinson, it's actually a the quarterbacks have a harder time throwing against them than they do against the Vikings' top three cornerbacks. And I thought that was interesting because coming into this game, and Xavier Rhodes is very good, yep. but I think a lot of people would say the Vikings' cornerbacks are better, and they are in some ways. 
But the Eagles cornerbacks cause a lot more turnovers than the Vikings cornerbacks do. And that's obviously a huge part of playing the position. So I agree. And I'm a little surprised, to be honest, that at first you gave the edge. Or at least, you know, you said you were leaning that way. And I am too. But here's the main difference, I think, to me at least, is the two things the Eagles have really struggled with this season at cornerback is one, speed, and two, really good route runners. They get turned around a lot, double moves. Vikings receivers do both. And Adam Thielen is maybe maybe the best route runner outside of Antonio Brown in the NFL right now. So I do think that's going to be an issue. They have the physical ability to match up with them, but I still like the Eagles – cornerbacks against physical players just because normally they're not as fast and they're not as precise with their route running and i think that could be an issue for the eagles so i'm going to give the edge to the uh, yep. vikings receivers over the eagles so we agree here. there yes yeah, so we agree on that one all right now just kind of overall the eagles and we just talked about a little bit but the eagles safety versus the vikings passing attack i think you know we can go by this one quickly but i do think that um the fact that they're going to have to maybe potentially not put malcolm jenkins up at the line of scrimmage as much will have an impact on their ability to stop the tight end and then from there if they really do funnel the root off like you think they will that could be an issue um I like the Eagles' chances of creating a turnover here. The Eagle, uh, the uh, I agree. They, they, I think they average almost two turnovers a game this season at home. I mean, they're great at coming up with the ball, and I think if they can get one early against Keenum, he might spiral a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty torn on this one. Where do you fall? I think it's pretty much a push, and yeah. I agree with that because I think that if you just go individual matchups. A lot of those will go to the Vikings because of their different types of receivers, how mm-hmm. you know well they run their routes and all of those things. But we've seen in the past, whether it's Rodney McLeod on a blitz, whether it's Malcolm Jenkins knocking a pass down, whether it's tremendous coverage from either Jalen Mills or Ronald Darby last week on that goal line right. stand, this is a secondary that's played above their heads the entire year. So I, I know people are going to say that I shouldn't hedge my bets, but I'm going to call this one a push. And you know, I, I that, that's just because I've seen this Eagles defense and specifically the secondary play a lot better than we've expected them to time and time again. Yeah, so if I had to lean one way, I think I would probably lean to the Eagles just because I think they're more likely to make a big play, even though obviously the Vikings just won on a big play. I think that was a little bit of luck. So I would give the slight edge there, but again, I'm more along the lines of you where I'm I'm torn. But one thing we didn't talk about that much when we were talking about the front seven, I think we both agree from a pass rushing perspective, we like the Eagles defensive line against the Vikings offensive line. How about from the running game? How do you like the way the Vikings running attack matches up with the, the Eagles' front seven. I mean, the Vikings were a very good running team this year, seventh in the NFL rushing the ball, but only averaged 3.1 yards per carry in their last game. So, you know, that's not great. Nothing really to write home about. I know the Eagles are the best run defense yep. in the NFL. So I like the Eagles' run defense here against the Vikings' running attack. I think they'll be able to stop them. Yeah. Um, what do you think? No, I, I love this matchup from an Eagles standpoint. And just look no further than last Saturday night when you had Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman, who you can say that's a legitimate thunder and lightning combo. They're mm-hmm. two very distinct style of backs. They both put up a lot of yards. And the Eagles held them to 88 yards on 20 carries. Now, part of that is Steve Sarkeesian, for whatever reason, just got away from the running game when Coleman was averaging 7.9 yards per carry and he only had 10 on the day. Right. But I don't think that Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray as runners are in the same class as the Falcons duo. McKinnon is probably a significantly better pass catcher. And I was going to say, where... McKinnon, for some reason, worries me. I feel like whenever yeah. I watch that guy play, he's catching well, it and he's running sneaky. it in for like 17 yeah, yards. Yeah, he's really sneaky, and I don't really love the matchup of Michael Kendricks covering him out of the backfield. But if we're just talking specifically stopping the run, the Eagles are very good at stopping the run, the number one run defense in the NFL. They allowed only 79.5 yards per game. 
why would that be any different now? Right. That, no, and and you're playing at home. You're going to have the crowd in your favor. Um, I like the Eagles here by a little bit. So it seems like we both overall like the overall advantage Eagles defense over the Vikings offense. Yep. I agree there. So one quick thing. Uh, I, I was driving home yesterday. I forget who was on. I was listening to 94 VIP. And someone was making a point how you don't want to see Sam Bradford come into this game because that's kind of like bad juju. Like he'll come in. It'll be a storybook type thing. I just wanted to say really quickly – if you're the Eagles, you want Sam Bradford in this game. I mean, they absolutely <laughs> they, they absolutely abused him last yeah. season. He's not mobile. He's coming in cold, coming against a red-hot Eagles defense with a great defensive line. If you're the Eagles, you absolutely want Sam Bradford in this game. And yeah. I don't care if you think he's a better quarterback than Case Keenum. You want him in this game. Yeah, Bradford's the better quarterback, but he's been the backup since he's been healthy for and a he reason. And he can't handle pressure at all. And that's because Thielen's been playing so well. And right. Thielen gives you that added element of mobility that Bradford's not going to give you. There's a lot of confidence that Case Keenum is playing with that you're not going to get out of Sam Bradford. Unless you knock the uh, you know Case Keenum out of the game and you get him hurt, I don't know why Mike Zimmer would all of a no, sudden he pull wouldn't. a wild card yeah. and put him in. He wouldn't. But man, that would be exciting if he did. For your mentions, sure. Yeah, yeah. well, unless you beat the Eagles then. It's going to be extra exciting <laughs> yeah, exactly. for you. All right, so let's move to the Eagles offensive side of the ball. Okay. Um, probably the most important match for the game, in my opinion. If not, I mean, if not the most important, definitely it's up there. Eagles offensive tackles versus the Vikings defensive Yeah, how I feel. I know. Say it's your boy. Go ahead. You can say what the matchup is. Say well, that uh, name. <laughs> I mean, you got Everson Griffin against Halapulavidi Vitae, which is clearly going to be a matchup that favors the Vikings. But you go across the board, you have Lane Johnson on the other side, you have Brandon Brooks, you have Jason Kelsey. The only reason, or I shouldn't say the only reason, probably the biggest reason I'm picking the Eagles to win this game is I think they have a decided advantage overall along the offensive line against the Vikings front <clears throat> seven. I think they're one of the few teams in the NFL that are built to get to the second level. You saw Stefan Wisniewski do that on a screen pass last week where he blocked two Falcons out of the way. Yeah. We are right there. Yeah. But uh, Penn State. I, I look at, at this matchup, this is the matchup that will decide the game in the Eagles' favor, in my opinion. I agree. I think the Eagles' offensive line is very well set up to um, to handle this Vikings defensive line. And let me ask you this. Uh, so I, I heard someone say this week that Griffin's more of a power rusher than like a speed guy. That's correct, right? Would you would you agree with that yeah, assessment? I, I mean, he's he's got some speed to him, but he certainly is a bull rusher more than and, anything And I else. think that actually helps Vitae. Because yeah. I think Vitae, obviously, is, he's a big guy. He doesn't do as well with the speed guys. But if it's just in terms of dealing with like the power of somebody, I think he's able to do that. And he played well against the Falcons. I mean, I, I, you know, I think there's always going to be concern about him just because he is the backup and everyone else on the offensive line is playing so well but I don't think you need to go I mean not many teams go into each game with two stud tackles it just doesn't happen very often and I think Vitae in terms of being a number two tackle is one of the better number two tackles out there just based off how he played last week in a playoff game and kind of played overall since coming in so so I agree I mean look Griffin's a great player 13 sacks in the regular season I think Vitae will do enough I think obviously coaching is going to be a big part here they have to figure out a way to help him if it does if he does start to struggle, and they got to help him quick. This can't be something where you know you trust him for a quarter to see if he can pull out of it. If he's Here's some next level conspiracy theory stuff for you. Now uh, I'm not reporting this. Is right, this. this is this is right uh, right up my alley. Go ahead. If you're Doug Peterson and you're Jeff Stoutland and you're Frank Reich, knowing this matchup, knowing the liability at times, and, and I give Vitae a lot of credit. I thought he had uh -huh. probably his best game of the year against the Falcons, and I think Wisniewski being in there really helped him. But if you're Stoutland and you're Reich and you're Peterson. Do you consider starting Lane Johnson at left tackle? No. And here's why. I see your I point. wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. But the only reason I'd be tempted 
is because I think that he's a better matchup against Griffin than Vitaeus. Yeah, but when he played left tackle last year, he wasn't great, and he struggled at left tackle in the preseason and the times he's played it. Um, so I see your point. I just think – I mean, look, if start him at left tackle, no. If he's if Vitae's really, really struggling, maybe do you try to put Lane there? Yeah. Um, I certainly would put Lane over there before I would put, you know, like Will Beattie or something like that in sure. the game. I mean, he'll probably be inactive, but – I would not start Lane there, but I see your point, and I think that, look, in the game to go to the Super Bowl, you try anything you can, and if things are getting bad with Vita, I do think Lane's someone you put over there because on the right side, I mean, you know, Daniel Hunter is good. I think he had, like, he had nine sacks or something like that, but he's not he's not Everson Griffin. So right. I agree with you, but I'm going to give the advantage to the uh, – in terms of the Eagles' um, offensive line, and because – even though they are, the Vikings are good against the run, they don't get a ton of pressure from their uh, defensive tackles. And I really think that Nick Foles will have a good pocket. Um, will have a good pocket there. For Listen, him. if if he does, and if they do, which again, I'm really confident in this matchup from an Eagles standpoint. But if Foles has plenty of time in the pocket, and if he plays as well as he did in the second half, mm-hmm. the Eagles will win by at least a touchdown. I because agree. I think the only way Minnesota stays in this game is if they muck it up, if they force a couple turnovers, if that defense holds serve and does what they've done all year then it's going to be a close game. But if the Eagles' offensive line is as dominant as they were against the Falcons and if Foles plays as well as he did and efficiently as he did in the second half, this thing could get out of hand in the Eagles' favor. Yeah, and one thing I've kind of come to believe through this week is I think Foles might be set up for a big game. And part of the reason is, I mean, you look at kind of what his last month has been like, the whirlwind that, it, that that's happened. He, t- he takes over for Wentz against the Rams, and he has a regular week of practice. Basically, I mean, you're still kind of getting adjusted, but you have a regular week of practice leading up to that Giants game. Yes, I know the Giants are terrible. Their defense is bad. He had four touchdowns, arguably his best game uh, as an Eagles quarterback this year. Then the following week is Christmas. So they just do walkthroughs. They have a bit of a different schedule. You're dealing with Christmas, all that stuff. You know, just had a baby for baby's first Christmas. Cold, miserable, windy night. Right. So didn't play well there. Next week, he doesn't play barely at all against the Cowboys. Another weird week of practice. But they did care enough to play him. I mean, no, the I, reason they I, played I'm him not, was to get him into a rhythm, well, and, and yeah, that rhythm never came. For sure. And I was – I think you could look at that performance and be con- – and we were both concerned about it. At least I know I was going into that Falcons game. For sure. Yeah, but I guess my point I'm making is this. Foles hasn't had a regular week of practice in terms of just three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, padded practice, regular-type practice – since that game before the Giants. And I think that, you know, that it's Zach Ertz mentioned it yesterday. Jason Kelsey, Kelsey mentioned it yesterday. I think the fact that he's going to have a regular week here is really going to help him. Now, he's going against the Vikings defense. So, you know, how much – I'm not saying he's going to, you know, throw for 400 yards. But I do think he's going to play better against, the Fal- uh, better against the Vikings than he did the Falcons. Also because he's coming off of his best half of football. Yeah. You know, so I, I, uh, I think – he's going to end up having a big game. I I, I don't see... I know you disagree with me on this one. I, I disagree only because he had one really nice drive. And it was a great drive. And they utilized Alshon Jeffrey. He had three catches and 46 yards. They ran the ball in that drive. They ran up tempo in that drive. They used some run pass options. Did some things that Nick Foles is comfortable with. And sure, if, if the Eagles offensive line plays well and Doug Peterson has a similar game plan and, and didn't you know pull every trick out of his bag of tricks against the Falcons, mm-hmm. I think Nick Foles could have a, a really nice game. But going in, just looking at these matchups and looking at you know what the Eagles offense does well versus what the Vikings defense does really well, which is stop the run. Yeah. I just don't know if 
the Vikings, and look, there was a stretch in that game where the Falcons put eight or nine in the box, sold out to stop the run, dared Nick Foles to beat him, and he overthrew a pass that bounced off, you know, Torrey Smith's leg and very nearly got picked off. So if the Vikings do that with better personnel from the defensive line all the way back into the secondary, I don't know if I trust Nick Foles to throw you to victory, but if you can run the ball and you get the ball in Nelson Aguilar's hands and you don't turn it over, that's where I think you have a real chance to win. And I do think Doug Peterson factors in here a little bit. I I think that, you know, I, at this point, trust him to put together a game plan that I think... As do I. Yeah. All right, so let's... But in order for Foles to have a big game, he's going to need help from his receivers. So let's talk about the Eagles wide receivers versus the Vikings cornerbacks. Um, Obviously, I think we expect to see a a ton of Alshon versus Xavier Rhodes, uh, Trey Waynes on Torrey Smith, and then the Vikings at nickel cornerback, they kind of have a dual type thing there. They do Terrence Newman and also Mackenzie Alexander. So Aguilar will see a bit of both of them. Yeah. I like Aguilar a lot versus both of them. I think he so could have I. a big game. Uh, Torrey Smith. I mean, Trey Waynes is good. Trey Waynes isn't that good. Young. Yeah. But again, and maybe like, you know, a veteran Torrey Smith there can get something going. I wouldn't count on, on much for Smith. But the big matchup, obviously, is going to be Alshon versus Xavier Rhodes. Big time. And two things. Number one, we talked all week last week about how important it was to get the ball in Nelson Aguilar's hands. And they did that. They moved him around. They had that end around for a 21-yard gain off a fake pitch to Jay Ajayi. Um, You look at this week, I would do the same thing. And I had Mm -hmm. Arif Hassan on the podcast earlier this week. He covers the Vikings for Complete Coverage Minnesota. And he said that... Mackenzie Alexander can be a liability in coverage. And the Eagles, if they're going to win the game, they're going to have to get the ball into Nelson Aguilar's hands and utilize his speed in that matchup. So I agree with you. I agree with Arif that this could be a big day for Nelson Aguilar. And Lane, excuse me, Alshon Jeffrey, he caught more touchdowns against the Vikings than any other team. And that's any other NFC North team, too. He only caught five touchdowns in his career against the, the Packers, three against the Lions, seven against the Vikings. And Doug Peterson said that he's gone back and studied those matchups against Xavier Rhodes to see what worked, see what didn't work. And I think that that's where if Foles is able to use his arm strength and get the ball to the outside – I wouldn't rule out Alshon Jeffrey having a pretty nice game. Yeah, and like as I said on the last pod, of course the way this team advances the Super Bowl is with Alshon having the best game of his career, and my mentions literally are set ablaze. The nightmare scenario yeah. <laughs> is if they lose the game to Sam Bradford oh and Alshon God. Jeffrey catches four touchdown passes. Yeah. That would be doomsday yeah. for Ad Elliott. I, 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 I might just maybe log off Twitter for five minutes. To Not for long. For I, can't, I can't be long yeah. for, I logged off for that much. But all right, so where are we going there? Advantage Eagles, Vikings? I, I would go slight edge Eagles only because I think I the think, slot advantage. Yeah, the slot there. advantage is going to be big because that's where the Eagles, when the offense is at their best, they funnel the passing game through the slot. Yep. All right. So now the tight end versus tight end Zach Ertz versus the linebacker um, Anthony Barr. As I said earlier in the pod, when I was messed up, you do talk about you have talked about this quite a bit. I think you know I like the Ertz advantage here um, just because he's produced every week. But what do you think? Yeah, I. I'm torn here because on one hand, Nick Foles and Zach Ertz haven't quite gotten that chemistry that Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz had through the course of the year. But on the other hand, I think that you can beat the Vikings over the middle against their slot corner. Last week, Ertz had three catches for 32 yards, one of which was a 12-yard first down. So... I think there's a chance that this could be the Zach Ertz show again. Mm-hmm. Ertz has talked a lot this week about wanting to be the man on third down, wanting to be the main target in the red zone. And at this point, why not? He's right. one of the key reasons why the Eagles got this far with or without Carson Wentz. I think it's time to feature him. And if the Eagles do, I think this is a matchup that favors them a lot. All right. So let's talk about the running game a little bit. Yep. Eagles running game versus the Vikings front seven. Um 
Eagles were, you know, third best rushing offense in the NFL during the regular season. Only averaged three point, only averaged three yards a carry last week against the Falcons. Um, Jay Jai got off to that really good start, and then they just kind of went away from him. Um, what do you think here? I mean, the Vikings also have a very good run defense. Uh, their defensive tackles are excellent against the run. Yep. Um, wh- where do you see, where do you like the matchup I, here? I think that this is kind of a push, and I know that's two pushes on this podcast. But I know I'm gonna take a stance for once. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'll say this, as I said earlier, I'll reiterate it. I think that the Eagles' offensive line is better suited than any team in the league to run on the Vikings. But I saw the Falcons sell out to stop the run and do a nice job of it, and the Vikings are much better against the run. The Eagles have the backfield by committee to beat the Vikings. They have the offensive line to beat the Vikings. But they were slowed down by the Falcons, and I think the Vikings might do a better job. So I'll let you handle the fire and the hot takes and the flames. I'm calling this a push, and it's one of the reasons why I don't think this is going to be a blowout. All right, now for the exciting answer. There you go. (laughs) No, I I think the Eagles will be able to run the ball here. Um, I think all season they've shown that when they needed to, they can lean on the running game, at least when it's mattered, uh, when, when it has mattered. I think Jay Ajayi is going to see the ball a little more. I mean, he's coming off a season high in an Eagles uniform, 18 touches. Um, LeGarrette Blunt did his job down by the goal line. So I, I do think when they need to, the Eagles will be able to run the ball. I mean, how many times this season have we seen the Eagles – need to run the ball in like a late game situation and kill the clock. Even last done it. Even last week. I mean those two drives where I know Foles on one of them was five for seven, so he he kind of threw him down the field. But even last week, those two field goal drives killed almost fifteen minutes off the clock. That's that's basically, you know, an entire quarter there. Um and I think that that's gonna be big against the Vikings, especially in a game where field position and time of possession um is really going to matter. So I do think the Eagles have their offensive line is playing at an elite level right now, yep. basically all over the field besides Vitae. So I think they'll be able to run it. I'm going to give the advantage to the Eagles. Okay. And like I said, if push. they're able to run the ball. As Matt said, he'd go either way on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they're able to run the ball and if the offensive line plays as well as I think they will, they could win this game by a touchdown. But I think the Vikings are good enough against the run and the Eagles struggled just enough to give me reason to be a little bit worried. All right. So now um, kind of overall, we'll talk about it, but just Eagles passing game versus the versus the Vikings secondary. But let's just kind of take that to the overall um, offense. Offense versus defense? Yeah. I, I'm going to give you a go bad. first on this one. Okay, so, wow. All right, this is tough. I almost said Eagles for some reason. That was my initial thing. I mean, look, I think this Vikings defense is good, but I think they're being extremely overhyped this week. First of all, on the road, they're giving up 20 points a game, and that's seven more points than they give up at home. Um, two of their three losses have been at home. We saw, and I know Cam Newton is a far better quarterback than Nick Foles, but we saw Cam Newton and the Panthers put up almost 30 points on this Vikings defense. Mm-hmm. Even last week, again, Drew Brees, better than Nick Foles. But the the Saints put up 23 points on the uh, on the Vikings at home. Um, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think Doug Peterson is going to be the difference here. I, think I Nick, agree with that part. I think Nick Foles yeah. is going to have a good game. I okay. really do. And look, I mean, I'm the guy that all season, from the second Wentz went down basically, except for that one night in L.A. where I was still maybe on the fence a little. But I think that I've not been on you know Foles bandwagon. I do think he, he's not a good quarterback. But I feel like he's playing well right now. The stage of the NFC home of being playing at home – Doug is, Doug Pearson is the head coach. I just I'm going to give the advantage to the Eagles. The Eagles offense here. Are we talking broader offense or we're we just talking passing game? Broader offense. I like the advantage of the Eagles offense versus the Vikings defense. I like the Vikings defense All because right. 
I think that they're really good up the middle. Eric Kendricks is as good as they come. Yeah. Anthony Barr is a pro bowler, really good in coverage. Uh, the secondary, Xavier Rhodes is one of the top two or three cornerbacks in the league, maybe the most physical corner in the league. Yep. And the Eagles receivers have struggled against physical corners. And I've said it all week, so there's no reason to back down now. I think the only way the Eagles win this game is by winning ugly. A defensive struggle where they force a turnover, maybe score a, a touchdown on, on defense, or yeah. set the Eagles up with great field position. I don't even know that the Eagles offense scores a touchdown. I think there's a chance they could win this game on four field goals. So I give the advantage here to the Viking defense over the Eagles offense, and one of the reasons why I think it's going to be close, I think it's going to be ugly, and I don't think that um, Eagles fans are going to feel all that comfortable until the final whistle, just like last week. So when we started out this week of podcasts after the Vikings beat the Saints, I started off the first podcast of the week saying, I'm picking the Eagles. No oh asterisks. Here we go. No Here we asterisks. Go. Right? <laughs> i got to find a creative asterisk gif now to throw at you on yep. Twitter. Here we go. Nope, you don't. Okay. Because I'm All not. Right. I'm just as confident as ever. I think the Eagles are going to win this game. And I think they're going to score more than people think. I know you think it's going to be low scoring, but I think the, the Eagles offense puts together some good drives. I think Foles has a better game than he did last week. And I think the Eagles defense has a real opportunity to put this Eagles offense in a good position to score more points than people think by creating turnovers uh, and you know having a good day against that Vikings defense. So I think when you look at everything, the fact – look, if this game was in Minnesota, I think I would probably pick the Vikings. But the Eagles are just so much better at home than they are on the road. At least recently they have been. And the Vikings are not the same defensive team on the road that they are at home. And that defense carries that team. So I'm going to go with the Eagles, and I'm going to pick them, let's see, 20, 24 to 13. I think both teams are going to really struggle to score. I think this is a knockdown, dragout championship fight between two defenses. Look, I agree with you that the Vikings defense has been talked up a lot this week. But I think a lot of that is deserved. Mm-hmm. Number one off- number one defense in the NFL, number two rushing defense in the NFL. There really isn't that much of a weakness on this defense, whether it's in the front seven or in the secondary. Nick Foles hasn't really shown you outside of two possessions against the Falcons that he can consistently move the ball down the field. But I do love Doug Peterson as a play caller. I do think that he's grown a lot as a head coach this year. And we've both talked about how we think that he should have been the head coach of the year. Sean McVay won the PFWA award the other day. But I think Doug Peterson crafted a great resume for himself throughout the course of the season. Points are going to be hard to come by. The Eagles defense does a nice job forcing turnovers. I think that's the difference. And I like the Eagles to win this game as I have all week, 12 to 10. Low scoring, low scoring, but it'll be good. So look, all right, here we are. We won't, you won't hear from us again until after the game. Uh, we will have our post-game pod for you, as always, You know, very soon after that game ends. Obviously, the hoopla of the celebration will make it a little different, but we will have it for you. So we'll have a podcast for you on Sunday, and then win or lose, we'll be back for you on Tuesday, either talking about Eagles versus – oh, actually, really quick. Yo. Patriots-Jaguars. Uh, Jaguars. Speaking of hot takes. Yeah, here's my hot take. And and I know that Ben Roethlisberger threw five touchdowns, but Leonard Fournette uh, rushed for, I believe, three touchdowns in that game. The the Jacksonville Jaguar defense is as menacing as they come. They have more sacks than any team in the NFL. Tom Brady becomes human under pressure. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of swag. You love franchise Uh, swag, right? I I, I like the Jaguars. Jaguars are oozing with franchise swag. I think they go into Foxborough and win the game, and we're talking about a Jaguars-Eagles Super Bowl while we're uh, freezing our toes off in Minnesota. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going with the Patriots. I think we're going to have a rematch of Eagles-Patriots. But either way, you know, 
for all those Eagles fans out there that have listened to us all season, for your guys' sake, I hope we're talking about an Eagles win because it sure would be an exciting two weeks, and we love to see you guys happy. So we'll back, be back on Sunday night with the post-game pod, another one on Tuesday for you. Please make sure if you're listening to this on YouTube that you subscribe. Uh, we really appreciate it. Leave a comment on YouTube. We read all of them. And leave a, leave a review. We're trying to get to 500 by the time of the game on Sunday or if by the Super Bowl, depending. So we really appreciate everyone. And, Matt, I'll talk to you on Sunday. See you at the link.